I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 16 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Nick Rehack of the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Thank you for having me back. I always love having you as a guest, especially because most of the time you haven't seen these movies yet, and like I'm getting the first impression is 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 wonderful life one of those? It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't mind. I don't. I don't mind recommending movies, and and hopefully you like them. You know. So so why don't you give me a general perspective of what you thought of this movie? Since you said you'd never seen it before, like what's your history with with this movie? The history I I always wanted to see it. I just never really sat down and watched it. Um, I have family members, uh, both. Uh, blood and uh, in-law family members that really, really enjoy this movie. And they've always kind of dogged me a little bit. Like, come on, you know, you say you're a movie fan and you haven't seen this. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm aware. You're saying, uh, you said, you I, said, I'm, but, I'm waiting for Rob to do it as a uh, minute by minute. And then I'll, then I'll yeah. <laughs> that's what I should have said. <laughs> that should be your standard answer. Well, if we wait anytime. a little bit, <laughs> there you go. That's your standard answer from now on. There you go. That's I like that. I'm going to start using that. Um, then, you know, uh, you reached out and I decided to watch it and I was completely blown away by this movie. Uh, I was not expecting it to be the way it was at all. I don't even know what preconceived notion I had in my head, but it this was a total 180 from anything that I could have guessed. Um, a couple things made context from like other pop culture film or films referencing this, like pop culture references of this film. A lot of things clicked, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and overall, I absolutely loved it. It's it's beautiful. It's devastating at times. It's just such an emotional journey for a film from the 40s that I was not expecting. Like it is such a surprising movie as well. And uh, I can't wait to throw this into the yearly rotation and just enjoy it year after year. And, and maybe I'll take away different lessons from it as I get older. But, I mean, I would just move to tears. I hope I don't tear up during these episodes because it'll be a, a, a little embarrassing. Uh, no, just, that'll be fine. You, just, you will just not be the first movie. and you will not be the last. So, so okay, you're okay well, with good. that. Okay, good. <laughs> I've I've already been told by a few a few of my future guests that that uh, you know the odds of them crying are very high as we're just talking about it. So we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I how mean, that and goes. and the episodes, the minutes you have picked out this week, wow, that was the it. We'll we'll get to it, but it's it's gonna be real touch and go. <laughs> yeah, especially when you know what's gonna happen. That's the thing. That's where it comes. Yeah. From. You know, that that's why this this is a, a week for I mean, I'm assuming that most people who are listening to this have already seen the movie. OK, but if you haven't, so slight spoiler here, if you've if you've seen the movie, 
or the first time watching this movie, you don't necessarily get the poignancy of this scene yeah. until you see it a second time and you already know what's going to happen. You know, and then it like jumps at you and you're like, oh, wait a second. I can't believe they just did that. You know, and it's just great. But we'll, we'll, we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. So we'll, we'll, we, we have a week to discuss this. <laughs> so minute 16 begins with Harry playing around and ends with Harry asking a question. So we, we ended things on Friday with a, a big romp within the Bailey household. You know, you have uh, Harry and George, and then you have uh, Peter and Ma Bailey. We actually, I don't think we ever find out her, her first name. You know, his first name is Peter Bailey. But I, I think she's just known as Mother or Ma or Mom mm-hmm. the whole time. And uh, Annie and, and their dog, for some reason, you know, who's, who's slightly here. You know, we don't see the dog that much, but the dog is there too. So it's, it's the whole family getting together. You know, and, uh, you know, on Friday they were making a lot of noise upstairs. <laughs> and then, you know, Harry and, and George came down. And, you know, the, the minute ended on Friday with, with Harry basically saying, well, I don't care. It's George's ducks. <laughs> Meaning, I'll get it ruined. Who cares? Not my problem. <laughs> and and then he, he basically immediately starts to harass Annie. You know, who's the housekeeper? You know, and he goes, Annie, my sweet, have you got those pies? <laughs> and he starts, like, chasing her around the table. You know, like, the the, the atmosphere in in the Bailey household is quite laid back. You know. Uh, very jovial. Yes, very jovial. And and everyone is really comfortable with one another, with, with the, the various things that they say and do and stuff like that. You know, no one, no one really gets offended. You know, I mean, come on, Harry starts chasing the housekeeper around the table and even like gives her a little uh, slap on the rear as he's like running yeah, around. She's got a and she's and, got like a broom. Like and she she's got a broom and she, said, and she <laughs> says, if you lay a hand on me, I'll hit you with this broom. <laughs> <laughs> and then he then Harry goes, Annie, I'm in love with you. There's a moon out tonight. Now, I don't know what he's trying to say. There. Is he saying that he's a werewolf? I mean, like, what, what's the that's, big deal about there being a moon? That's kind of what I got. That's kind of the vibe I got. Like I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Like I'll show you a real good time, but without like being, I guess for the time, so vulgar as to say it. Right. But I, I think it's more, I, I don't know. I was thinking of the song, you know, that's Amore. Oh, okay. Where he's basically saying, I'm in love with you. So he's talking about the, you know, the moon. If you look at the the lyrics of it, you know, if you, if you I mean, you're a music guy, yeah. you, you must know the oh, lyrics of it. well-versed in Dean Martin. So what, <laughs> okay, so what? 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 Where do you think lyrics would would fit in here? Well, I mean, I think it's just it when the moon hits right like a big pizza pie, around asking for pies. Now, granted, it's the dessert that's type, right. but it's a pie nonetheless. That's right, and he's basically saying that's amore. There you go. You know, so it's so it could be that 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 is. I mean, obviously, the the song that's amore, from what I understand, uh, you know, only only came out in 1953. So maybe actually maybe Dean Martin got the idea of it from from this movie. Wouldn't that be something? You know, maybe you heard, maybe you heard Harry say, you know, uh, there's a moon out tonight and I'm in love with you. And he was like, oh, wow, what a great idea. Let's just think about that. Love, amore, a pie, the moon. Hey, <laughs> who knows? Later on in the song, they're talking about bells will ring, ting-a-ling-a-ling. And obviously bells are ringing in this one. They talk about dancing down the street. There is dancing and there is dancing in the street of, in this film. Uh 
it there's a little uh, yeah. talk about like you know dream world and that kind of thing but it it all makes sense to me i like i like this theory i really like this yeah well come on the face when i have nick on i gotta talk about music <laughs> I, I know how it works it works you know just like if you were to have me on on a show that you're talking about music you'd have to you know bring in movies that, that, that's what it comes down to that's very true you know we all we all have our our, our specialities you know uh and uh, I, I definitely am not a musical uh, specialist like you are. And you see, you get both. You're, you've got music and movies, so that works really well. <laughs> Hands in multiple cookie jars. That's right. That's right. Cookie. Um, <laughs> maybe. You never know. That's right. Just don't get caught. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. That's, that's the trick. Don't get your hand caught in the in the cookie jar. <laughs> and then like Annie screams as she's you know moving into into the uh, uh, in, into the kitchen, you know as he's uh, you know running running after her, you know. And then uh, we see Ma Bailey finally sitting down at the table, and and then we hear George say something really strange. He goes, "Boy, oh boy, oh boy, my last meal in the old Bailey boarding house." Now, do you think that this is that they really are running a boarding house, or is it the idea that that you know is he just using that as a phrase? I think he's just using it as a phrase, uh, and that that line did throw me uh, when I first heard. It. I'm like, wait a second, I thought, but I I think it's just one of those, uh, you know, like my wife and I own our house and we pay a mortgage, but I just joke around. I call it the rent. It's something like that. Something just just to kind of mix it up and be a little bit different. And the way they are in the house, like, you know, people kind of coming and going in the moment and, you know, very light and jovial and stuff. It, it could feel like, you know, a handful of people in a house at once. And, and there's a grand familiarity there. But I think it's just like a passing phrase kind of thing that not many people say anymore. OK, well, the, the reason I asked the question is because it's, it's very strange that in the alternate world that'll happen, you know, towards the end of the movie. So Ma Bailey is running a boarding house, huh. okay? Because George comes to her door and it says on that uh, Bailey boarding house. But if you look at their table and you look at the way that the the living room is set up, that's not a boarding house. You know, a boarding house is is like what we would see in Groundhog Day, you know, where you know where where you have like a a communal uh, dining area for 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 everyone, you know, the family and the guests. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff. Yeah. And you don't see that. Like the table that they have here is not big enough for guests and things like that. And and I even saw that it was written somewhere, you know, when it was talking uh, about this movie, how it says that the that that the, the Baileys owned a boarding house. But there is no evidence of that besides this phrase and later on, you know, having Ma Bailey in the alternate world running a boarding house. So I, I think it is a joke. That that that's my uh, understanding of this. Huh. Okay. That, you know, that it, it's not a boarding house and that, you know, he's, he's just calling it a boarding house. Cause basically I, I guess George is, is sort of saying that this is a, a transient stop for me. You know, I'm moving on and that's what a boarding house is. That makes a lot of sense. I like that. You know, that, that that's my interpretation of it. Now, do you know the actual definition of a boarding house? I would assume something similar in line to like a dormitory. Okay. So it, it is and it isn't. I mean, what it basically is, it's a family home where they have lodgers who rent one or more rooms on a nightly basis and sometimes for extended periods of weeks, months, or years. 
Um, they have the common parts of the house that are maintained and some services such as laundry and cleaning may be, supply, may be supplied and they normally provide room and board. So therefore there are, well, there are meals as well as having accommodations. So another good example of this is Forrest Gump. You know, his mother had a boarding house. Okay. That's how we met Elvis. Elvis was staying in the boarding house. Okay. That may, all right. That makes sense. Then. You know? Yeah. And when, when do you think they started establishing boarding houses in, in the U.S.? Uh, I would say post-Civil War, let's say 1880s. Well, actually, it started in, 18, in 1830s <sighs> in Boston. Okay, missed it by a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, just a few, just a few. <laughs> One or two. <laughs> That's right. And basically, they would have, like, uh, you know, businessmen or laborers, uh, you know, people just passing through would stop off, and they would stay at places and stuff like that. In, in the, the late 1860s, you know, after the Civil War, mm. So most places, depending on where you were, it, uh, the prices range between uh, $2.50 to $40 a week. Wow. That is a, that's, a, that's a gap. $2, $2.50 yes. to $40? Yeah. Well, again, it probably depends on where you are. I'm assuming if you're in New York City or in Boston, you know, in the middle of the city, it's going to cost you more than it's going to cost you in a boarding house in Louisiana. Yeah. You know, I think that that's the, the idea of it. And basically... You know, in the uh, after the depression, they they became less uh, uh, common. They still were around, and then in the fifties, the they they were pr- pretty much non-existent. There were some places that had it, and by the sixties, you really couldn't find them. You know, I, I, I'm assuming that nowadays you still can find some. Well, it's just called it's, Airbnb. They're, they're, yeah, but it's a little different because in an Airbnb, you generally don't have communal meals, do you? That's true. That is true, unless. I mean, there's been some B&Bs that we've stayed at where the homeowner has, like, offered, and we were like, oh, you know, no, that's okay thing. Um, no, they've offered to bring you They've offered to bring you a meal, or they offered for you to come down to the quote-unquote dining room and, and have, have a meal. Go down to the dining room and have a meal with them. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so I guess, so, okay. But it also depends, I, again, it like, that was the Midwest, the where people are a little friendlier than necessarily the city folk. <laughs> right. Okay, I mean, it goes back to, to Buxtani PA. You know, so, exactly. You know, there they did have a dining room, and I mean, again, it has been thirty years, but still, you know, it's it. You can, I guess, base it on that that type of thing. So yeah, I guess I guess you can say that that B and Bs are 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 close to that. You know, from the I guess from the perspective that 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 back in the day that was the staple that you would have meals and you would have uh, communal areas and stuff like that, and and nowadays it's it's the exception not the rule yes you know it's the places that you can get them mm-hmm. if you look at popular culture i mean uh sherlock holmes lived in a boarding house you know he had a a, a landlady who was uh who who would uh you know make meals for him and do his laundry oh, and stuff yeah, like that that's right okay yeah because like yeah because yeah, it wasn't the, like it was his spot because of the okay yeah um in true grit the it's it there's a, a boarding house oh wow so that's okay. where basically he's staying through this um, and then if you want to start getting into movies, wow, there's so many of them. You have The the Lodger, which was, uh, if I remember correctly, one of uh, – well, The Lodger was a Hitchcock movie, I believe, from 1927. And then you have uh, Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde has a boarding house in it. Stage Door has one. Uh, Citizen Kane, his parents owned a, a boarding house. Uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy, so George M. Cohan uh, stays in a boarding house. 
It's a lot more common the, back then than I realized now that you're giving me all these examples. That's right. Uh, what else? Uh, you have, well, the shootist, which, uh, you know, another, that was John Wayne's uh, final movie where he was, uh, you know, renting in a boarding house. Um, in the movie uh, Brooklyn. You know, the, oh, the, 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 the couple the years Oscar ago? Yeah, yeah, from from uh, I think it was like twenty fifteen, I think, if I remember correctly. Sure. So she she stays in a in a boarding house there also, which makes sense. Given so yeah, the there's time. there's a lot of yeah yeah there's 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 a lot of uh, examples of it. Um, in the Andy Griffith show, Barney Fife lived in a uh, boarding house. I wonder why they're not more common. I don't know. That I couldn't answer. <laughs> Because you would think they're so prevalent, and then it just kind of goes away. You'd think that, well, yeah, that's something to think about. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You, you think about that. You think about that and let me know about that. Tomorrow. I will. <laughs> and, and then Ma Bailey gives a very strange response to George. And she goes, oh, my lands, my blood pressure. So, have you ever heard the phrase "my lands"? No, I've heard "oh my lanta," but I've never heard "my lands." So, it, it basically it's an, it means an expression of surprise or dismay. It says that it is dated and rustic. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I guess people don't say that anymore. Not really. And then my blood pressure. So, you know, I guess I guess she, you know, she's sitting down. It's it's somewhat ironic that she's complaining about her blood pressure at this point. Mm. You know, of of the inhabitants of the room. You know, and you know, then then we have uh, Harry stick his head out from the kitchen door, and he goes, uh, "Pop, can I have the car? I got to take over a lot of plates and things." And then the uh, Ma Ma Bailey says, "What plates?" And he goes, "Mom, I'm the chairman of the Eats Committee. We only need a couple of dozen." <laughs> Now th- this this always makes me laugh. This this whole thing. Now, first of all, have you ever heard of an eats commission or, or a, a, a eats committee? I haven't, and it threw me off, and I had to rewind it twice with the subtitles on in order to catch what he said to make sure that I heard what he was saying, and it wasn't like an audio glitch or something weird. And it was just it was very strange for for me to to hear. And and I I searched for for much too long to find <laughs> out about a, an eats committee. <laughs> And I couldn't find anything for it. Really? So I could. I can't tell you what it is. Yeah. Oh. I mean, obviously, it it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It it you know what, what he's basically saying is he's in charge of of everything dealing with the food at at the you know whether this is a homecoming dance or the prom or just an end of the year dance or whatever it is he's the one in charge mm-hmm. of of everything dealing with the food. But it's just funny that they would call it the eats committee. As opposed to, you know, the, I don't know, the food committee or, you know, I'm in charge of, of refreshments. You know, there's, there's so many other types of, of uh, phrases that could be used instead. Yeah, he could have just said, I'm in charge of the food tonight. And that would have sufficed. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't you think she would have known about this beforehand? You know, like why he's only telling her now is he's about to leave that I'm in charge of the food. <laughs> yeah, especially because when he walks out, I mean, they made pies. Yeah, he walks out with a couple <laughs> of them. It's not just like, oh, I guess here's like a a, a part of one or one that we, you know, we're gonna eat later. Instead, he's he's got a couple. 
that's right. He takes three pies with him, which we'll, we'll get to in, in, in a little bit. But and then he says he needs only a couple of dozen plates. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have a couple of dozen spare plates in my house. <laughs> I have maybe a dozen that's, that's plates a in my house. I think that's how many. But I'm talking. He's he's talking about spare ones, mm. which is very strange. Well, you know, again, if we if we go back to what we we're saying about that this is a boarding house, then it would make sense that they'd have it. And not only that, core of the house. Uh, whenever it cuts to kind of from Paul looking towards um, uh, Jim James Stewart's character, she has decorative plates like hanging on the walls. You can see a couple of them, so maybe she's like a plate person. Like I collect plates. Yeah, I don't, I don't think those are the ones she would give him to to take That's to the true. Uh, <laughs> you know to the dance. <laughs> that is true. You know, and I mean, they they only have the, the the truth is the plates on the on the table. They have you know uh, they are decorative plates also. Mm. What they're using to eat off of. Yeah, they're not just standard white plates or something like that. You you do you can see that they're they're they have a design on them. I mean, because it's black and white, it's a little difficult to tell what color it is. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. But they also give us a great view of the entire like background of of the of the room. Yeah. You know, where they have all these different antique things sitting on shelves. You know, they have even, they have like uh, photographs, uh, you know, picture frames, small picture frames, stuff like that, which we never know who these people are. No. You know, it could be their great grandparents or it could be even, you know, uh, Ma and Pa Bailey when they were younger. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Could be something. You know, it's too far away. But, 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 but the, the way that they do it is works really well because it, 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 gives more life to this uh this house yes you know the whoever did the production design said okay you know what? we're gonna put all these things here and make this seem like this is someone's really someone's house it feels lived in like in no way does it feel like Very a set much. piece in a studio correct correct um so <laughs> ma bailey then responds oh no you don't harry <laughs> Now, not my best Havilid, no. Did you know? Do you know what a Havilid is? I would assume that it's a type of serving dish, but that's like the brand of it. Like it's called a Havilid or or a whatever. Oh, okay. Well, a Havilid is a brand name of porcelain. Okay, close. It's French. It's, it's a French French company that made porcelain. That they started making it in the 1840s, and. And then uh, in the late 19th century, that's when uh, there was so much, uh, so many people in America that were using Haviland-designed uh, porcelain. Hmm. And they had different types of ceramics and stuff like that. Okay. Because okay. what it says here, it says is that it's, it's, a, it's manufactured in France, but it was, the company was created by an American named David Haviland. Huh. Maybe it's one of those things importer, where, exporter. ah, see, that's what it is. When you import it and you say it's like French, oh, it's exotic, you know, you should, I should buy more or I should, you know, pay for this versus a regular kind of one. I think it's all just in the branding. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, basically it's 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 a, a brand of porcelain, but it uh, isn't necessarily, you know, he was bringing stuff in from, uh, from France and also from England and, you know, I guess that's just they're considered, you know, his his uh, you know his his brand because of that. Basically, he decided that that he wasn't gonna he, he didn't need to open a new factory because he can just uh, you know bring bring the he just import it all himself. 
Yeah. It's kind of like a like a reverse Amazon in a way. Yeah. That actually, oh wow, that's that's a really cool idea. Reverse Amazon. He's bringing it in because now Amazon, it's they bring stuff in, figure out how to make it, and then they just start selling their own version of it. Whereas him, he could, but he just kind of brings it in and then slaps the name on it. Oh wow. Hmm. Yeah, that makes that actually makes a lot of sense. George and, and Peter have already started eating. Yeah, you know, they're not waiting for everybody else. They're sitting there just eating. And George goes, ah, let him have the plates, mother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the whole atmosphere, especially, it'll be over the next few days that we're going to talk about this. But the, the atmosphere between George and Peter is 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 perfect. Yes. You know, they, they really give us the impression that, that, that this is a father and son who get along really well. And, you know, they, they don't need to look at each other when they're when they're talking. You know, it's it's normal table conversation and it it, it works really well. It, it comes across really believable that the two of them have a very strong bond and strong connection. So strong that which which they'll talk with food in their mouths, which really, really bothered awesome. me. Yeah, wait one second. When you're when you're when you're having a meal with your family, you won't talk with food in your mouth. I'll, I'll wait. I'll get a couple bites down. No, but I'm saying with people that you're comfortable with. Oh, even people I'm comfortable with, I'll get a couple bites down before I go to I won't just shovel in and start talking like he does in this. I'm like, take a couple bites, man. <laughs> let's let's get some separation. Wait a if you if you if you and Bethany are sitting there just having a meal by yourselves and you're you're eating, you're gonna you're not gonna say something while you have food in your mouth? That's what you're not when I have food in my mouth. No, you, you have much more manners than most people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. There's something about it. I, I, I can't do it. And I got to I got to chew, chew, chew away. <laughs> Why not? And then the, the, the conversation changes a little bit. And Peter basically says to, to George, hope you have a good trip, George. Uncle Billy and I are going to miss you. And he goes, I'm going to miss you, too, Pop. And I mean, first of all, I, I love the, the the way that, like I said, that this conversation just flows really well as they're having this. You know, it's it, he's just bringing it up out of more or less out of nowhere because you know he knows that 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 George is finally going to be leaving. So, you know, but but they do a great job of exposition here because this is basically telling us, you know, that 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 George has been working for them. Mm-hmm. You know, no one ever mentions this before. I mean, we know we know that this is 1928, okay? And George was born in 1907, so therefore George is 21, okay? So he must have graduated two or three years earlier, mm-hmm. and so he's been working during that time for for his father, or working with or for uh, both uh, Billy and and Peter. Yeah, and he he's put the time in and established himself enough to where he's become a part of the business, like a legitimate part of the business. Yes. For sure. And and then uh, George looks over at his father and goes, hey, what's the matter? You look tired. And the answer is, oh, I had another tussle with Potter today. I thought when we put him on the board of directors, he'd ease up on us a little bit. Now, have you ever heard the word tussle before? Yes. Really? Yes. Uh, my okay. grandmother said it a whole bunch for some reason. And then my father, her son. While she was, he said, while she was watching Die Hard movies with you? No, the other one. My other grandmother. Or a different grandmother. Oh, yeah, the, the one on okay. uh, on my father's <laughs> side. She uh she would say she would use that for and I don't know why. She said a lot of like not offbeat phrases, but things that you wouldn't hear like so much. And I, I always found that endearing. So what is what is a tussle? Uh a tussle based uh, on your recollection from, from grandmama 
uh, rehack. It's like a step or two <laughs> above an argument. Uh, maybe it comes to blows, maybe it doesn't, but it's it's kind of a heated argument. I mean, that would be interesting to see uh, Peter Bailey and Potter having uh, you know a fist fight. Yeah, I think <laughs> Peter would take out Potter big time. Well, because Potter can't get up. That's why. <laughs> but then again, but then again, then again, I have a theory that Potter is faking it. You know, so Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because because if if you go back uh, two weeks when Potter is shown in in the the, the building and loan, mm-hmm. so the, we don't see him in the elevator. So how did he get up the steps? Oh, ah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, like maybe he like puts the puts the uh, wheelchair at the edge of the the stair- stairs, looks around, makes sure no one's looking, and then runs up the stairs. <laughs> And then his his servant man brings the, the wheelchair up next to him. That is true. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it makes you makes you every time that the Potter is in the building alone, it always makes me wonder how he got there. I, I guess there theoretically must be an elevator somewhere, but not 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 in plain sight. Right. You know, or maybe he has a magic uh, wheelchair that has uh, you know uh, that 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 can like uh, levitate or something like that. Could be super magic. <laughs> That's right. It would make sense. It's Potter. Come on. It's true. Uh, hence the name. I mean, come on. He's he's no muggle. He's <laughs> his name is Potter. <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna pretend he's magic <laughs> now, like for sure. <laughs> there you go. Why not? What do you mean? Why pretend? <laughs> he's he's he he's got magic spells. <laughs> who do you think? Who do you think maybe brought brought, brought Clarence around? You know. <laughs> this is turning into a whole new up, movie, man. I like this. That's right. He conjured, conjured up Clarence in order to get George to not commit suicide because he wants George to go to jail. Because if he go, if he dies, then it doesn't then it doesn't help him. Yeah. Ah, you see. <laughs> You've seen this movie a couple times, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, just just a few, just a few. But you, but you're 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 part of the rabbit hole podcast, and uh, and I like to go down rabbit holes. It, you do, so, and right. I enjoy it very much. <laughs> exactly. And you know, so I, I mean, it's pretty funny that that Peter actually believes that if they put him on the board of directors, it would help. Yeah, I didn't. You know, you'd think that he would be a little smarter about that. Yeah, I, I didn't really understand it. And I guess they thought maybe in their minds, oh, it's, uh, you know, the devil you know, or the old godfather, you know, friends close, enemies closer kind of thing. But didn't really didn't really work out like he thought he would. No, not at all. And, I mean, we'll see later how that, that plays out also. But, and then George asks a, a really interesting question. He goes, well, what's eating that old money-grubbing buzzard anyway? <laughs> you know, and you'd you'd think that 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 at this point George would already know the answer to that. George, you know, George has been dealing with this for for nine years. Mm-hmm. You know, when, ever since he was he was twelve when he first encountered Potter, or when we first encountered him with Potter. You know, so yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, very strange. And then Peter just explains it to him and says, "Oh, he's a sick man, frustrated, sick in his mind, sick in his soul, if he even has one." He hates everybody that has anything he can't have. He hates us mostly, I guess. Yeah, that, that, that's actually giving a lot more credit to 
the the bill you building and loan than than maybe they should have. Well, you know, for him saying that he mostly hates us. When he said that, I looked at it as he hates us, as in he hates the family. He hates this family, you know, uh, unit, two loving sons that are doing well for themselves, like that kind of like joviality and and happiness that they have there. And I'm I'm I read it as that. Is like that's what he doesn't have. He doesn't have that sense of family, someone to come home to, that you know, love, and that's why he's the way he is. Mm, okay, all right, that that actually makes sense also. Because I was thinking more from the business perspective, you know, that that because he can't have the building alone, he wants the building alone. He wants to take over. He wants to be in control of taking care of, of dealing with everything, you know. And you know, later on in the movie, when when he takes over the bank. So then he says, okay, you know, the building alone is the only thing he can't get his hands on. So, I mean, this is in some ways foreshadowing that also. Uh, okay. So, okay. yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay, you can look at it both ways, I guess. But it, what, what's what's nice to see here is that Peter Bailey really understands who Potter is and what he stands for. And I think that's great. You know, and he's he's telling us and telling George at the same time that – this is just a frustrated old man. Mm-hmm. He's only acting this way because he can act this way because he basically doesn't have a soul. Yeah. And at the, the the very moment that he says that, and then Harry comes out from the kitchen, he's carrying three uh, pies, you know, one in each hand and one on his head. And he goes, gangway, gangway, so long, Pop. And he goes, so long. And then George turns to Harry and goes, you got a match? <laughs> Which is a little funny. And he goes, very funny, very funny. Bailey says to him, put those things in the car, and I'll get your tie and studs ready for you. Now hurry up. Okay, Mom. Now don't drop one of those things. And then Harry turns to George and says, you coming later? So, I mean, it, it's funny that she says that she'll get his ties and studs together. He don't even care. You know, the... He's he's just waiting for her no, to kind of stop so he can ask his question of what he's focused on. He's like, yeah, Mom, that's fine. Whatever, that's for sure. <laughs> That's right. When we're talking about studs, do you think they're talking about like, you know, things that go over the buttons? You know, you have like the when you have a tuxedo, you can also get like uh, cufflinks. Uh, I guess they're called studs. That, that no cufflinks. If you look at his shirt, his shirt is already uh, closed with cufflinks. So oh. I think that that the, the whole idea of of a stud is it's something that is used to to you know fits. Uh, it's okay. A shirt stud is a decorative fastener that fits into a buttonhole on the front of a pleated shirt. Huh. Okay. And they have special buttonholes solely for shirt studs. You know, so you don't see the button, you just see the the different metal or gemstone or whatever it is that they have there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's pretty much everything I have for this minute. Did you have anything else for this minute? The only other thing I had for this minute was I was just int- fascinated by the way he carries pies. And I thought the <laughs> pinned butterflies on the wall behind uh, Peter were interesting. I, I feel like that's not something that we really see anymore is like insects kind of pegged onto little boards like that in a scientific-esque manner. Okay, that's actually very cool. I, I, I actually uh, did a little bit of research on that. But I, I, I passed over it. Ah. I said, nah, we're not going to need it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but since you brought it up, do you know, do you know what it's called? Do you know what you would call someone who collects butterflies? So part of me deep down inside was hoping that you had researched this. So, <laughs> so I did not look it up. <laughs> so 
uh, <laughs> I'm I'm excited to know what it is. So it, it is it's, the person is called a lepidop, lepidopterist. Okay, not expecting that word, but okay. That's right. Which uh, basically it comes from the ancient Greek, and it basically means uh, a, a scale and wing. Oh, okay. So I guess it's people who study you know different types of moths and and uh, the, the different families of the butterfly and stuff like that. So I guess they use it to kind of. I mean, if you want, I can. If you want, I can give you the history. I can give you a history of the of <laughs> the history of of uh, lepidop lepidopteristy. I'm here for it. Like I'm, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> when did people start studying butterflies? Oh, it's got to be probably 15, 1600s. Let's say, let's go with 1630s. Oh wow, that's great. 1634. Get out of here. That's right. 1634 is one of the first major works that's of nice. someone about butterflies. Uh, a, a a man named Thomas uh, Moffat. Uh, I'm not even going to try and read the name of the the article or book or whatever it was that he wrote because it's in Latin. Mm-hmm. Insectorum sieve minimorium animalium theatrum. I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah. And so yeah, it it goes back uh, quite far. Okay. Uh, relatively speaking. Um, and during between uh, 1758 and 1900, there were a lot of people who dealt with these uh, things. Again, I have I have the whole history here, but uh, I I don't think we're going to go through the entire history. I mean, I have even a list of the of notable uh, lepidopterists. Oh wow! But you know, and nowadays they're the people who buy up basically things that are on the wall in in the uh, Bailey household. Oh, okay. You know, because it's it's rare that people do that anymore. Huh. And and they have all these uh, uh, lepidoptrical societies. Okay, I have a list here of, of ten uh, modern societies that still deal with it. And then there are four uh, journals that that deal with uh, research in uh, lepid the lepidopterological journals. Wow, that's a, that's definitely a tongue twister. That it really is to talk about that. One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lepidopter and weekly. Yeah, see, and you, <laughs> there you go. No, it's the okay. There's only four of them. So the Journal of Research on Lepid, Lepidopter, Lepidoptera. Then there's another one called Metamorphosis. Then the, the Taxonomical Report and Nota Lepidopterologica. So yeah, if anyone's interested, uh, you know, reading more about uh, uh, trapping butterflies. And putting them on your wall, you know, go go look those up. I feel like metamorphosis is the one to go to because it's just a normal name. <laughs> it's nothing crazy. There's no Latin to it. It's just like, hey, we all know what this word means, so come on and join us. <laughs> That's right. It's not as scientific as the others. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. It's definitely possible. <laughs> Every Monday we have a segment called Capra Monday, where my guests will give their top five Frank Capra films have you seen five frank capra movies so i have not i've seen one and this is it (laughs) (laughs) you've seen one (laughs) but if it's okay i i tweaked it a little bit and i just did five anticipated capra films these are five films of his that i really want to see okay okay um that would be good we have uh it happened one night 
I know that that is one of three films that have taken the big five at the Oscars. So that's I have to see that. That's right. Uh, I'd like to see Mr. Deeds goes to town because apparently the Adam Sandler film, Mr. Deeds is based off of that movie. So, uh, you can't take it with you. So you've theoretically already seen it to an extent, but I want to see if the original is better or at least what the yeah. humor would be. Um, I'd like to see, right. you can't take it with you. Cause I feel like I've heard that before. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to okay. Washington cause I hear about that one like all the time. And then uh, meet. Have you seen the Eddie Murphy? Have you seen the Eddie Murphy remake of that? I have not. It, it's called uh, the, the Distinguished Gentleman. That's the name of it. It's uh, the Eddie Murphy film. The, the Eddie Murphy remake of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is the Distinguished Gentleman from 1992. Okay. Which is uh, a, a, a fun movie. I'll have to look that up then. I'll do yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the fifth one would be Meet John Doe. I don't know what. Wait, what was. about where would you where would you put uh, It's a Wonderful Life then? Well, I guess I would put it on the list. Oh, you're saying it's not fair to put it in there. Yeah, because I've now seen it. So it's – although <laughs> anticipated, I'd be seeing it again in Christmas time. So I am looking forward to seeing it again. But as far as new watches, those are those are the five. Okay. All right. That's fair. All right. So, Nick, you want to tell people where they can find uh, Nick Rehack? Absolutely. They could find me over at rabbitholepodcasts.com. There's a myriad of podcasts over there, and I'm fortunate enough to be a part of two of them. One of them is called Lyrical Innuendo. Uh, Bubbleweed and myself take a deep dive into the lyrics of popular music. We pull throughout history and we analyze whether they're about sex, drugs, just good old fashioned rock and roll. And then a newer project, uh, Jason Soto is a hardcore mystery science theater 3000 fan and i've never seen an episode so rather than say hey here's a couple of my favorites instead he turned it into a podcast and we're watching every single episode of mystery science theater 3000 and you can tune into that show it's called play mst for me wow all right enjoy that one (laughs) i'm I'm so far so good i'm having a fun time all right isn't that the important thing here it's the most that's why I keep coming back. That's right. That's right. Oh, you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was talking about Mystery Science Theater, but yeah, that, it's great that you're I That's why I like having you come back here, too. <laughs> I always have a fun time with you, Nick. Thanks. Even even when it's not in person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow. Hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly did. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.